Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals, the podcast that allows every therapist, nail tech and stylist to level up, build their career and reach for their dreams. Each episode we'll be looking at a different area of the industry and along the way I'll be chatting with salon owners, industry leaders and experts who'll be sharing their stories on how they achieved their goals, made their successes, all to inspire you in your business and career. I'm Sue Davies, your host, award-winning salon owner and industry professional. Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. Welcome to this week's episode of Inspiring Salon Professionals. This week I'm going to be talking about something that's been in the news and I've seen a couple of times across Facebook and is something that is potentially going to have a really massive impact on our industry. Whether you're beauty, hair, now salon, any kind of um, personal care premises where you rent out your space or you have self-employed team members or what are often called staff members, which is just such a conflict um, and is something that just does not mix. Self-employed and staff are not the same thing. And this has been an issue in the industry for a really long time. But since COVID, it has just escalated so much. And as we were talking about on um, the episode I did recently with Holly, and I know I've spoken about previously on the on the podcast, there is a huge, huge shift to more and more people becoming disguised employees effectively and not working within the industry as a fully self-employed person. This has come about as a result of employers trying to cut costs and people wanting more freedom. But ultimately, that freedom isn't always there. And quite often, the self-employed status is there and is a bit of a red herring because it is not what it seems. So the reason that I'm going to do this today is because over the weekend, I've seen quite a few people posting um, following on from a case that's just been successfully won by the ex-employee, now self-employed team member of a hairdresser's and she has taken her previous employer to employment tribunal and has won her case. Uh, This has come about because the employer decided that they wanted to change their setup of how their staff were managed and they encouraged people to go self-employed and this has become something that we've seen again and again across industry. And I've seen team members or staff that have been coming onto forums saying that this is they're trying to be coerced into doing this um, or being told they'll be made redundant if they don't. And other people that actually want to do this and their employers are happy to do so. Now, within this um, setup is a massive problem because if they have gone from employed into a self-employed role, um, there's clearly something that HMRC are going to query at some point. This is becoming something that HMRC are putting a spotlight on. And if you have a salon or a premises where you are encouraging or allowing your staff to go from employed into a self-employed status and nothing really changes other than the way they're paid, there is going to be fallout from this in the future and you really really need to make sure you have dotted your i's and crossed your t's because if you have not set up a fully operational self-employed way of working for these people that are going to be effectively they should be running their business under your roof 
And that means that they have the freedom to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, and charge however much they want to charge for it. You also need to consider whether or not you have a legal um, contract and whether you have the right to sublet your premises. And this is a really, really important thing. Check with your lease, check with your landlord before you go down this road and make sure you have a full contract in place with the person that you now have as self-employed. However, the difference is now that there are precedents being set in employment tribunal and that means HMRC are going to be more and more alert to the fact that this is causing an issue and that we have a huge number of disguised employees in our industry. They are looking to recoup money into their pots after COVID, after having to spend out so much money and the government are looking at ways always to be more frugal in how much um, they allow and when there are taxes to be collected you can guarantee that his majesty's tax um, authorities will act to make sure they bring in the maximum revenue into the coffers as they can and this is a very easy way to do it because if you are an employer you know that you should be paying um, employers national insurance employees national insurance you should be paying pensions you are liable for all of the statutory payments for maternity sickness and all of that kind of stuff so employer status comes at a cost and we know that but business comes at a cost and there always always has to be a nod to the fact that you may be operating in a very very gray area so we're going to look at just some of the things that you really need to consider if you aren't paying attention to the criteria that is clearly marked and set out on the, the HMRC website. And if you have spoken to HMRC or you have spoken to your accountant, they should be making it very, very clear to you that the criteria that are given need to be met. And if you do not meet I mean, really, you need to be aiming to meet 100% of them. But if you cannot, hand on heart, say that you are meeting at least 90% of what they have written down, then you really, really need to consider your options. And don't forget that HMRC can come back in and go back. And they can go back um, a statutory period of time um, to the region of around six or seven years. So, and I know somebody many, many years ago that they actually went back a whole lot further. And if that's the case, then you could be liable for any period of taxation where they deem that you need to do back payment of national insurance for employers and for employee and pension and all sorts of stuff. Holiday pay and maternity pay if they've been on maternity leave. There is so much that you could end up out of pocket. So make sure if you're going to do this and have self-employed people within your business ensure that you have done it the way that you should. So here's some pointers as to what you really, really need to consider. They should have the ability to set their own hours of work. So if they only want to work on a Tuesday from 10 till 1 and on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 9 till 5 and on a, every other Saturday, then that's what they do. You have no right of recourse against them. They are self-employed. They own their own business and they are technically renting space from you. So if you currently have a self-employed person in your business and you are dictating that they must work 
set hours they must be there from nine till five or every Saturday or they've got to do four late nights or two late nights a week then that means that you are calling the shots on them and that means they're an employee. Next they should be able to have the right to set the pricing for their own treatments. They should also be able to decide what treatments they wish to perform. Again if you are stipulating that they have to stick to the pricing that you have as a generic price list in your salon and that they don't have the opportunity to change that, then you are potentially disguising employment. And again, if they choose that they don't want to do a certain treatment, you can't stop them. But if you're insisting that they have to perform X treatment, take for example, Um, intimate waxing it's always one that people either love hate or don't want to get involved in because they don't feel comfortable with it but if you're insisting that a therapist who works in your premises on a self-employed basis if you insist that they carry that treatment out again disguised employment can they decide to take their holidays whenever they want and for however long they choose to if they go on holiday can they put somebody else in to replace them if they're off sick can they put somebody else in to replace them These two things kind of go hand in hand and if you are dictating that they cannot take holiday at set times or they can only take a week or they have to give so much notice, again, this could be construed as disguised employment. If you are a self-employed person, who tells you? You You own your business. Who tells you when you can take holiday? The only thing that any of us really should be listening to is the peaks and troughs of our our own business. And this person working in your premises has their own business. So they can decide for themselves when their own peaks and troughs are. And we as the owner of that business that is hosting the other person's business has no right to dictate when that person goes on holiday. There is nothing that you can do. And if you are doing anything else, then that's disguised employment. If they are not able to put somebody in to cover them, um, if they're off sick or they have to take an extended absence for any reason, doesn't matter what it is. If you do not allow them to put their own representative in, then you are not meeting the criteria set by HMRC. Also, we have to look at things like stock and um and what products people use and again if you if you're say in hair if you're in a vida salon and you've got somebody working self-employed the chances are you're not going to want other products in there other than a vida and so anybody that works in your premises may have to use your stock so how do you align that do you charge them for that if you don't charge them for that and it isn't clearly detailed that you charge them for that then you could be looking again at another area that HMRC would see disguised employment. Because if the person that is self-employed within your premises is not taking risk and is not and is not in a place where they could make profit or loss that is affecting their income, if they're not in that place, then again, you're looking at potentials of disguised employment. Every business that operates within your business has to be able to stand on its own two feet and make a profit or a loss on their own terms, not on your terms. Because if it's on your terms, then HMRC may well see this as disguised employment. 
there's a, a further gray area and this is somewhere that I know in my research over the years and when I had my salon my accountant and I spoke about this at length and this is one that I'm sure any accountants that may be um, tuning into this episode or any other business advisors that may be tuning into this episode would hopefully agree with there is a there is a a part of the criteria that HMRC set is that you should be taking your own money, you have your own bank accounts, and you should have your own uh, record keeping and all that kind of stuff. However, for the ease of business, there has been a grey area where you are able or have been able to use a central till point, and you have been able to use a central booking system point. However, this may well change it may already be something that hmrc are coming down more heavily on but you need to ensure if you are taking money into a central pot um for self-employed workers and yourself they have to be able to take that money out of the till or from your bank account with immediate access because that's their money and it's not your money and you need to double check this because this was a grey area and is probably still very much a grey area and probably becoming more and more grey with each of these employment tribunal um, successes for the converted workers. Um, You cannot have this, that they get paid weekly or they get paid monthly because anything where there is a set payment, again, could be deemed to be disguised employment. We... Obviously, we all want to be able to make payments out on a regular basis as a business owner and to receive them on a regular basis as a business owner. However, that money is theirs and it should be available to them on demand. It isn't something that you can say, actually, no, I'm going to withhold all the money until the end of the month because that's what suits my business. You have a responsibility that if you have a self-employed person within your business and you hold any purse strings those purse strings need to be able to be pulled as and when they want to be pulled by that self-employed person and that is something that you really really need to consider this is a very gray area but it is definitely an area that has increased in size within our industry since covid and i don't know if that's because everybody just wants more flexibility to do what they want to do and so there is a bigger demand to be self-employed from people that were employed but it I mean this particular case that we're looking at um, and that has caused me to start doing the podcast today is just to say you know this person had been employed in this salon for over a decade um, before she made the transition to quotes self-employed status She was keen to be a self-employed person because she had been um, made to believe that she would be better off by around £600 a month and she worked on a chair rental basis um, from that point onwards. She didn't, it would appear, earn the extra money that she thought she was going to and eventually she left and then has pursued this employment tribunal where she has been successful um, in proving that she was... um, made to be self-employed when all the only thing that changed was how her pay was paid to her so that there was no deductions and therefore 
it was found that she remains an integral part of the salon team and there was nothing that would have enabled colleagues or her regular clients to distinguish her from any other members of the staff or the employed staff. She didn't have the realistic right to substitute another hairdresser to perform her work and she continued to be bound by the salon's dress code and the hours that she was required to work remained as they had been when she was employed. She also had to ask her manager's permission before leaving work early or taking any holiday leave. There was no change in the mutuality of obligation between her and the owner and the level of control that the latter exercised over how she went about her work remained the same. And all of her takings went through the owner's till and she was neither an independent contractor nor in business on her own account is what the employment tribunal found. So you will see there, there's so many points that were what I was highlighting earlier that the this person did not have the right to run their business, which is what self-employed status means. You have a business. If they did not have the right to do so, the employment tribunal found correctly. And it would mean that for the period of time that that, person was held in a self-employed status the the likelihood is i haven't i haven't seen the actual figures on it they haven't been published on what i've seen but the likelihood is and this is where the danger lies for any employer that is looking to do this to their employees um, or is even just taking people on on a self-employed basis that there is a potential for you to have to do back pay for that period of time for national insurance contributions and for both for you and for the employee and also holiday pay. And it is this has happened with um, Uber and with so many different huge areas. And like, you know, Uber, they now there's, you know, there was law changed to make sure that those workers were given holiday pay and to have their um, minimum wages and all of that kind of stuff. This is something that we really, really need to look at in our industry. And I know over the period of the podcast, I have mentioned this several times and we really, really need to make sure that if we do have people in our premises that are operating on a self-employed status, that they are doing so whilst both parties meet the criteria set down by HMRC. Times are tough and employers do need to make um, changes in how they work to make sure that they're being the most financially efficient business they can be. But trying to encourage self-employment where it isn't actually self-employment could end up costing you more money and ultimately could end up costing you your business and it could end up being a whole lot more than that it really really does depend on how your business is set up and what kind of um, business status that you have if you're in doubt go and visit the hmrc website there's lots and lots of information on there and also the nhbf have been working with the HMRC in trying to set guidelines for how this should be seen and worked for the hair industry. And once this is established in the hair industry, this will, of course, will follow through to the rest of the personal care sector because that will be how it works. Um, it may take a bit more time for it to come into um, other areas like beauty and the complementary areas, but they know that we are all linked and that this is something that is becoming just all too common so do look at what your structures are and if you are experiencing financial difficulty don't necessarily look at just cutting corners in this way there are many other ways that you can 
Um, be more frugal with what is going out of your business. And that could mean that you need to look at your inventory stock and just check what you have got sitting there. Do you need to keep buying more and more stock? Because, you know, there there is a, a massive issue where we all have too much stock sitting on shelves. Look at what providers you're using. You know, do they do drop shipping? Do you have to hold all of that retail in your premises? If you have a provider, a supplier that does drop shipping, let them take that risk for you um, and you do that. You do not then have to hold all that retail stock because that can be thousands of pounds just sat on a shelf that you aren't um, able to clear as quickly perhaps as you would like to. Look at are you charging enough money? Are you pricing your services correctly? Are you pricing that retail correctly? There are many, many ways. You know, there's. I know um, the salon that I go to, their team all work on a four-day week. That may be an option and actually is a really good way of retaining staff because it means they get three days off every week, you know, and and I'm sure people would rather work an extra couple of hours um, or even an extra hour a day on the days they're there and get another another half day off or another day off a week. Um, all of these things are ways of, of retaining staff and giving them something back, which makes them want to stay as an employee. You know, so many of the reasons why people are moving to self-employment is for that flexibility. And I think the biggest lesson we can learn as employers is to make sure that we offer that flexibility to them so that we can maintain a business that gives people the desire to want to be part of what you have built. For many people, self-employment as, a, as the person that owns the business that's taking in the self-employed people or for the people that want to be self-employed, there is a misunderstanding of what that actually means. And for so many people, self-employment can be an absolute nightmare if they aren't ready to understand all of that stuff that I've spoken about so many times on the podcast about the marketing, the branding, about building the business and how you can um, take that entrepreneurial spirit and do more with it. If, you, if you're putting people in a position where they need to have all those skills and they haven't got them, you are just setting them up to fail really and making their lives far more difficult. And yes, you're going to save some money potentially, but it could be at the cost of, of your business. And I think we really need to consider what we are doing, how we're doing it, and about rebuilding our employees um, and their need, desire, um, want, whatever way you want to look at it. But we need to be encouraging them back into employment and not pushing people into self-employed, disguised employment. Either do it right or don't do it at all is the only way it can be really going forward. So just check your criteria, go to HMRC and go and do a double check to ensure that if you do have anyone on self-employed status within your business, that you are doing it out in the open and following all the black and white. Make sure that you are doing it correctly. That's all from me for this episode. So see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Salon Professionals. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share with fellow industry professionals that you think may enjoy the show. Links and further information can be found on the show notes or on my website, www.suedavies.org. Here you can also find some downloadable free guides that you may find of use. You can also hear from me and join the Inspiring Salon Professionals community on my Facebook group. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye for now.